All right, welcome to episode eight of Bet the Process podcast, which is brought to you by the Sports Action app, which is the best way to track all of your sports betting uh, knowledge, information, picks, uh, get the latest content that's out there, and it's available on the iTunes store. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about uh, focusing a lot on futures in college and in the pros and where we're seeing some value. We have a pretty good discussion on uh, the idea of betting with sharp money versus betting against public money, and we talk about um, one of the forefathers of sports analytics who may have lost his way and become a tout. Uh, Rufus and I debate that and also debate the concept of whether you can be a sharp and not bet. And then finally, we do a new segment called Man versus Machine, where Rufus and I will go down every single game and where I disagree with him uh, potentially on his machine picks, i.e. his, his uh, model picks, and then finally, we give our super contest picks and our survivor picks. So with that, let's start the process. Welcome to episode eight of Bet the Process podcast with Jeff Ma and Rufus Peabody. Let's get started right away. We're going to skip smartest thing we said and dumbest thing we said because we got some feedback that no one wants to talk about the past. If that's not true, feel free to ping us on Twitter and we can bring that segment back. Jumping into this week in futures and starting with college. Uh, again, assuming you see some value in Ohio State last week, obviously with the big Oklahoma upset and even Michigan looking um, a lot worse as a team. It, it seems like their only competition in the Big Ten this year may be Wisconsin. Um, is there any value on Ohio State? And where else do you see value? There, there's def- there definitely still is value on Ohio State. I think that they should be a uh, a true 5-1. to one. Uh, You can get them right now offshore, it looks like, at plus 871. So, uh, yes, the the... The Oklahoma loss really helps everybody out, basically. It doesn't really, regardless of conference, and it really hurts the Big 12. Inside the Big 10, their competition really is Wisconsin and Penn State. Wisconsin has a very easy path to the uh, to the Big 10 title game. They're, they're rolling through the West. I think there's like a 97% chance they, they actually win the West now, according to my Sims. But yeah, Ohio State, even with one loss, it's crazy that I still have them so much higher than um, a bunch of undefeated teams. Yeah, I mean, I think this is like the Ohio State MO is to sort of lose early and then get everything going and, and come, you know, if, if they're a one-loss team going into the, uh, after having won the Big Ten, there's there's very little chance that they're not going to make this thing. Right, I mean, um, the, only, the only way they wouldn't make it in that case is if you have a bunch of, if you have all four other Power Five conferences with undefeated uh, champions, which means, and, and that could very well happen in the SEC with Alabama and Georgia both being undefeated. I don't think Georgia will stay undefeated, but I think Alabama. Well, they both can't. Undefeated. They both can't stay undefeated, right? Because they'll play in the championship. In exactly. The no, but I mean, right? If they both, if they went into the championship game undefeated, then you know you have an undefeated champion coming out of there. You have a chance of that Clemson could in the ACC, but that's still um, that is still an underdog. And then um, Washington, of course, in the Pac-12, but that's uh, not that likely either. And but. And then, and then obviously you have the Big 12 now, where every team has one loss, and I think 
Um, my sim says now that there's only a 42% chance that the Big 12 gets a team into the playoff. Right, but you, it's, what's interesting is you actually see some value in Oklahoma after that loss because of the reaction to that loss, correct? Right. They, they always, I think, had generally that margin of error where they could lose one game as long as they win the Big 12 title game and make it. Having that Big 12 title game this year really helps because um, they get a chance to play another quality team. And, um, yeah, and, and, and they also have a really tough – I mean, they, they played Ohio State. They beat Ohio State. That's a, that's a bonus on the non-conference schedule. But if they run the table and win the Big 12 – there is um, there's only like a 12% chance, according to my numbers, that they won't get in. And that basically is if um, is if they're up against like, you know, if maybe a one loss Alabama um, or, you know, obviously if the other um, power five conferences all have undefeated champions, um, they'll probably get in over a one loss Oklahoma. But it becomes interesting when you look at like a one loss Oklahoma versus a one loss Ohio State, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, I think. The other places that you see value, which I find interesting again, are obviously Washington has looked um, dominant. Um, they're probably headed for what a showdown with um, Washington State. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot still in their path in the Pac-12, but you have them at uh, true odds of eleven and a half, roughly to one, and they're at almost fourteen to one. And then right. Miami, you have as some value also. Right, and, and Washington and Miami are not like they're, they're top teams, but they're not like the elite. Basically, my numbers right now, you have like the four elite teams are Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma. Those Oklahoma still is number four. They were number four in the ratings going into last week. They had a big buffer. Now that buffer is a lot less. Georgia's kind of crept up there. Washington's number six. Um, Penn State at number eight. Miami at number ten. Um, Wisconsin number eleven. But you know the funny thing is like. Auburn's actually number seven, but you know they're not really in the conversation because they're gonna have to go through Alabama. So yeah, uh, Washington does have the easiest path, I guess, given that they are in the Pac-12 and that Washington State game. Like, I'm sorry, I'm just not that high in Washington State. I have them rated 21st. So I guess the thing is, though, Washington, I feel like basically is gonna have to go undefeated to get to the playoff. Yeah, you know. Uh it, it it's hard. Uh, I mean, it, that's what's happened to the Pac-12 in the past, right? Which is that they've right. had to have an undefeated champion to get in. So right, and, and it's honestly we, that's the hard thing when we're modeling the selection process. We're trying to Kate and I are trying to quantitatively like model a very subjective process, and I think we have we've tried to not really um, be too political about it. But at some point, I think we're going to need to, um, you know, later on in the season, you know, as the season progresses there are certain things that are becoming more obvious. Like, because we, we do this sort of tiered system. Like, you know what I mean? Like an undefeated Power 5 team is in Tier 1, right? Um, a one-loss you know, Power 5 champ is in Tier 2, versus, you know, things like that. But, you're, I mean, I do think in the Pac, the Pac-12 does seem to get shafted a lot um, in terms of the national media and the, their consideration by the, by the selection committee, so... But I still so, think, I mean, they're undefeated. You're getting, what? what is it? Um, you're getting almost 14 to 1 on them. They're undefeated. They have a pretty clear path. And they're a good enough team that if they get into the playoff, they have a, a reasonable chance. Yeah. I mean, I, it's interesting to see value in the futures this late in the season. So I, I think that's interesting. So I, I actually have a, a little bone to pick with you. So if we go back a few episodes back, um, when Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech was playing Clemson, you said they had value, 
And I, I don't remember what the numbers were at that time when you said they had value. And part of the reason they you said they had value is you you said like they they kind of would avoid Clemson, right? Basically meaning like they could still make the ACC championship game. Um, you know, obviously having lost to Clemson because they're on the other side. Um, they lost to them. They're 250 to one. Now you're saying they should be 345 to one. That doesn't seem to make sense because it seems like part of your thinking they had value, I guess part of your thinking they value was that they were at home against Clemson and they had a decent shot to like, they had a to reasonable win the game. shot to win. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. I mean, obviously if they, if, if they win that game, their odds are much, much better. And so that one loss hurts. I was saying that I guess they're not completely out of it if they lose to Clemson. So, uh, but they also beat, you know, BC by only 13 and, it's it's about how they've performed in the last two games as well, and the dominoes that have fall felt fallen elsewhere. Like Clemson seems like they're definitely going to come out of that side of the ACC for sure at this point. Um, so you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I got gotcha. you. There's a lot of other dominoes in place, and when so, when a team's 350 to one or 250 to one or whatever it is, like I make them 350 to one, a small little something small can have a fairly big impact in terms of those numbers, just because those are such low props. All right, let's move on to sort of where you see some value this week in college. Last week, the the picks we gave in college were were not good, um, generally. No, they What's Although that? We, no, they weren't. But we that Florida State Miami game, I feel like that could have easily gone our way. And that yeah, was that a game was where I, I had Florida State as the higher rated performance by about two by two point eight points. I graded them higher. Yeah, it was a it was sort of a very unfortunate end to that game. And there was, to be honest, there were some very unfortunate ends to some of the games that that you had. Um, Certainly, that Minnesota Purdue game um, really changed right at the end. And um, again, you can't cry over spilt milk. Uh, but let's go on to this week. So, you, where do you see some value? You see value on the Bruins uh, going into going into Arizona, huh? I do. In fact, I think I had Arizona. I had value on Arizona last week against Colorado, um, and now I have value uh, uh, on UCLA uh, plus one and a half. I think that should be. UCLA minus almost four points. So, and then flip flopping, you see value on Oregon now against a Colorado team, a Colorado Oregon team State. that Oregon State. Sorry, that a Colorado team that should not be giving twelve to probably anyone at this point. I would say. Well, not yeah, not I mean not in the Pac-12, I guess, but they. I think well, they came in with a lot higher expectations this season. Um, after is Oregon State, your worst-rated Pac-12 team, they must be. Um. I'm not. I'm, I don't have that number on hand, but I feel like they got to be fairly low there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only team that might be worse, I would guess, is Arizona State. But um, let's say Arizona State is number sixty-one. Oregon State is number seventy-five. Yeah, I don't see any team worse than seventy-five. Just scanning down the numbers. Yeah. Can you, can you identify all the Pac-12 teams without without? I think a, I can. Yeah. Can you identify any players? Utah, Arizona, Pac-12 teams. Name a player um, on Oregon State. I can't. I can't. There. I, I know they used to have a quarterback named Sean Mannion, but he's in the NFL now. Yeah, barely in the NFL. Barely. They've they've had some good players there. So. I, I know. I, I I know. I I do know one player in the Pac-12. I know UCLA's quarterback is Josh Rosen. Very good. And and USC's quarterback is Sam Darnold. I feel like it should be Da Arnold, like with like a D. Uh, apostrophe it just seems like it should be did you know that the uh, UCLA, UCLA once recruited a basketball player 
whose name was De End, D apostrophe E N D, and it was because he was the last child in his in his uh, in his lineage, and so his mom just said, "This is De End." I think he ended up transferring to like somewhere in the West Coast Conference, maybe USF or something like that. But yeah, it was De End was his name. Oh. I'm seriously right, so up on this end. getting close to the yeah. end of this segment. Um, you also see so some Oregon value State plus twelve. You also yeah. see some value in Wisconsin and Western Michigan, correct? Yeah, both laying um, some points. I think um, right now, I think Wisconsin's minus fifteen and a half. It should be minus twenty one against Purdue, which a, a Purdue team that has been um, very good this season. But as you said, like they did pull away very late. Um, I mean, that game last week was was very close in the fourth uh, in the fourth quarter. Well, it actually looked at one point. It looked like you were you were fine. Like you had you had a lead, and if they won, they were only going to win by three, and sort of things went kind of awry from there. And then a pick six made it look even worse than it. Although, it although to be to be honest, and this goes against um, the narrative I was trying to to um, give you, Purdue actually was about thirty points better than Minnesota on my like fundamentally with my game grades. So. But I still think Wisconsin is just a, a substantially better team. Um, yeah, they should be a 21-point favorite. And the last one, Western Michigan, minus 13.5 against Akron. I think that should be a three-touchdown game as well. That's just Akron is a bad team. Yeah, I so said both of those, though, are are you somewhat you betting against Purdue and Akron, which you've kind of been doing all season. Certainly Akron is a team that you've you've been clowning all season. For sure. And, yeah, and Purdue as well. I mean, I think the, the lesson on Purdue is that Priors still matter, and even though they've been very good so far this season, you can't ignore preseason expectations, and which generally uh, say a lot about a team's like true talent level. Okay, third, let's move on. Let's move on to NFL futures. Um, NFL futures. So far, uh, looking at what we have, we've we've talked about Casey in the past. Um, they've performed well, really well since week one when we talked about there being value there. Um, do you see any value on KC still? No, I don't. I think, I mean, they're down now to, I guess, plus 570. I think they should be plus 630 or 640, sorry. Um, but, you know, they're they're obviously a top team. They're my number two team in the NFL. They have a 55% chance of locking up the number one seed in the AFC at this point virtue by virtue of having beaten new england so they'd have that head-to-head tiebreaker and that's obviously the most likely um team that i guess the second most likely team to get that number one seed but yeah i have them as an 80 percent chance of winning the afc west and 94 percent of making the playoffs but still i just think that they've become they, they went from being underrated to now a little bit overrated there's a lot of hype because they're undefeated yeah i mean they're definitely getting a lot of publicity and certainly becoming a team that you know everyone i've heard as they should as they should well you know bill simmons is on his podcast talking about how they want to take alex smith at eight to one to win the mvp so well if kansas city has the best i mean if kansas city has the i'll give you you want eight to one you want eight to one on alex i'll I'll give you eight to one i'll give you nine to one i'll give you ten to one you can get value over the market can i arbit no because you i can't sell now you want to well, you can probably try to uh, yeah. bet every other every other relevant person. I mean, this is the thing. You hear this all the time on these shows, and I don't want to get on this, but they talk about like, oh, yeah, you can bet this, and then you can bet a bunch of these other guys if you're to, to quote-unquote hedge. And it's not such, not a hedge. Hedging and, is expensive. 
You're paying the VIG every time, and you can't hedge that out right there. You really just you can't hedge. You can't bet the no analysis. Hedging that kind of market, hedging that kind of market is impossible because there's just so much value you're giving up every time you make one of those bets. We've already talked about how futures bets are ridiculous because you can't bet the other side. But, anyways, I mean personally, I I hate hedging in general. If unless I I will only make it, I will only make a bet to hedge if it's on its own a positive expected value bet. Yes, I think that's yeah. a, a good way to look at it. Um, because that's not essentially hedging. That's basically just taking value, extracting value on the other side. That's right. But I, the, you know, if it's like zero point one percent EV, like I wouldn't bet it normally, but I would bet it if it reduced my variance. Anyway, let, let's keep going. NFL value okay. futures. Where so, where else do we see some value? Let, let, let's go to the AFC North, where Pittsburgh loss kind of shakes things up a bit. I've liked both of these teams a bit. Um, well, I've liked Cincinnati, obviously, all season. And now they, they're coming off two straight wins. They're only two and three, which, by the way, is the same record as like the Cowboys and Raiders. But they have two straight wins. It hasn't been pretty. They're only a game back of Baltimore and Pitt, and they've only played one division game, meaning that they can still... Um, and that was lost, but they still can... Um, is that right, actually? One division game? They no, they beat Cleveland. Actually, never mind. That's two. But but they only have one division loss. So, um, and I still have them as the eleventh best team in the NFL. They have the fourth easiest remaining schedule. I, I have them. I think they should be forty-seven to one, and you can get ninety to one. Um, also, the other team that's not Pittsburgh that has a chance, um, since Cleveland literally does not have any chance, <laughs> is Baltimore, and they're listed right now offshore. I believe it's seventy to one. I think they should be forty-three to one. And that Pittsburgh home loss really, really helps them. They move up. Um, well, they move up from a 16% chance of winning that division to 30%, and they're now a coin flip to make the playoffs. And the other thing is they also have a, an easier schedule than Pittsburgh. And the whole AFC North, with the exception of Cleveland, has easy schedules. Like Baltimore is the seventh easiest remaining. I think Pittsburgh is the ninth easiest remaining. And so that that will help position them um, for a wild card, too, if they don't make if they don't win the division. Yeah. I mean, I think the AFC North, uh, certainly Cincinnati, I think we were laughing when they were zero and three and zero and two, um, at you saying there was value, but they've certainly played much better over the last two weeks and, you know, being two and three right now, um, in that AFC North uh, at 90 to one does not seem as crazy. I mean, we, we had them what at like 250 to one, I think last week. Right. So there's, there's or we were able to get them at that. Right. Right. There's there's value coming in on them for sure. Um, but, you know, a lot of the other teams that I saw value on in the previous weeks, you know, that's sort of vanished because they played well like that. You know, Kansas City is one example. Philadelphia, the, um, Jacksonville, Buffalo, the Jets, the Redskins. So, yeah, I mean, the the Jets are are three and two and their season total win total, I think, was three. So all they need that is- over. All they need is a half more win. Somehow they need to get a half of a win. If they get a tie, does that count as a half win? Nope. It's not. And hockey. with the new overtime, with the new overtime rules, that actually is something that I don't think people considered. Like it, it's more likely that you have ties, and so it makes unders a little stronger. It's crazy. The new overtime is crazy. It's so quick. Um, all right, let's uh, Let, move yeah. on to a couple other teams that you okay. are are interested in chatting about, like two high-profile teams that are now two and three. Um, the Cowboys uh, obviously are America's team, although um, Jerry Jones doing his best to make sure they continue to be America's team. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. 
Uh, we won't get into politics here. Uh, oh, I didn't know if you're following politics, being that you're you're now a European socialist. So, I still get I still get my updates, like my push notifications from the Washington Post and fake news CNN. <laughs> well, everything's fake news these days, so I don't think you can qualify CNN as fake news. Um, anyways, let's move on to to the Cowboys. What what are your thoughts on them? Are they in trouble? They're two and three. I think they're definitely in trouble. Um, my simulations have them with only a 21% chance of making the playoffs. And at two and three, they basically have to go eight and three the rest of the way to get in. But they've only played um, two road games so far and three home games. So six of the remaining games are on the road. They have to play the Chiefs, the Falcons, the Seahawks, the Eagles twice, the Redskins twice. And they have to pay, play at Oakland in December when, unless he gets injured again or aggravates his injury, Derek Carr should be full strength. So they have the third toughest remaining schedule. I think their wins early in the year at home against the Giants at week one and then on the road at Arizona, we thought were a lot more impressive then than we do now, although I still think the Giants and, and Cardinals aren't as bad as people think. Um, yeah, the Cowboys have lost two home games in a row to an average and good team, and they got blown out on the road in Denver. I, I just think they're a pretty average team. And so you know they're still listed at... Um, 18 to one to win the Super Bowl, which to me is ludicrous. A two and three team. Well, part of that, part of that is the not having a two sided market, right? It's like true. There's, there's and, no reason that they have to actually change that unless unless that so many other teams are coming up that they want to try to get action somewhere else. It's a good point because I know they already have books already have a lot of liability on the Cowboys, but not as much as they do on the Raiders, who I read were like the most bet futures yeah, I mean, team. The Raiders are. The Raiders seem like one of those things that everyone that was sharp going into the season kind of knew that this was the case. Um, and it's it's definitely coming to fruition. It's been aided certainly by this Derek Carr um, injury. But, you know, one of the things that's, that's interesting only one about game. the— well, one and a half. One of the things I think that's interesting about this Raiders situation is that I think that this is one of the reasons that it's so hard to be a sports better because you don't want to overreact. You want to be able to stick with your conviction and not overreact to what you see on the field in a short-term basis. The Raiders were a team that generally we were like, maybe, maybe they're overrated from last year. The analytics said that because of how many close games they won. Their defense was terrible. They come in weeks one and two and play great. And all of a sudden people are like, okay, well, maybe we were wrong. But then after that, they've they've turned around and played played very poorly. Um, again, aided by the Derek Carr injury, certainly in the last game and a half. So, well, you know, what what are we to think about the Raiders going forward? I guess. Well, well, the first two games, yeah, they played well, but their de- they gave up twenty points to the Jets at home. You know, their defense didn't play well those first two games, and then they they got absolutely destroyed by the Redskins with Derek Carr in a primetime game. And the Redskins, I'm a Redskins fan, the Redskins don't do primetime games. So, um, Okay, thank you for that narrative. Now just let's move you. on. <laughs> uh, reverse jinx. Yeah. All yeah, right, I, so, I have them only 15% chance of making the playoffs. So, And that assumes that Derek Carr plays this week. So, I mean, and they still have to play the Chiefs twice, the Patriots, they have the fifth toughest remaining schedule. They're in a bad division to be two and three right now. Yeah, they're... I think they're in trouble, especially toast. if, yeah, well, well, 15% chance, 85% chance of being toast. <laughs> okay. So 15% chance of not being toast. 
Let's Avatar. move on to segment two of the day, Faderade. And with our Faderade segment today, I want to talk a little bit about this notion of fading the public and following sharp line moves. So first off, fading the public, you want to kind of define what that means and sort of what your thoughts are on that. Well, I guess it's, it's I don't know, I guess the teams that the public bets, um, which are generally... So, like, if you if you think about if you if you look at like a a site like Sports Insights, which um, shows the percentages of bets, and and you have this in a lot of places now where they'll show the percentage of bets. The and idea they show the average that, money bet on each too, right? Yeah, I mean, you can see the amount of both money and number of tickets that are bet on games, and the idea is when things are disproportionately high in one direction, um, and maybe the line isn't necessarily moving or or whatnot, you can see where the public is betting. And, and there's also um, websites or sort of book, sports books that will actually tweet out um, where the public is or where the sharps are and that kind of thing. So there is this notion of kind of knowing what our public picks. And so a lot of you know touts will say fade the public, and there is some talk that this is a strategy that will work. Um, again, like what are, you, what are your thoughts? Is this a strategy that will work? You know, I think it's better than, than betting with the public. If you look at it, if you look at the ecosystem of, of sports books or the sports betting ecosystem, um, it's weird because you have um, most, the average better is not hitting 50% of their picks. The average better is doing worse than a coin flip, which sort of allows there to be this, um, this sort of segment, this small population of betters that are actually making money long term and, and being good while the sports book is still collecting you know, their commission. So basically the average bet can be 50%, but you're going to have like, it's like you have this, you know, you have two, these two different populations. Um, but back to fading the public, I think um, one distinction is that it's easy to fade. Once the line has moved, I mean, I don't know how to put this exactly, but um, yeah, you can fade a team that the public is on, but if, the line's already moved the other way. I mean, you may be getting, you're not getting the same value that like the first person to fade the public did, right? Well, I'm not making much sense with this, but. I mean, this is, this leads into sort of this concept of, of playing on sharps, right? Like they will put up these sharp plays, but the problem is sharps always move the market. And in the case of when you're betting on these quote unquote sharp plays and you have like, let's just talk about it in the NFL. If you have like a half a point line move, what would the actual advantage that you would have needed to have before that sharp line move have been for you to still bet a half a half point worse or a point worse and still have an advantage? Do you understand my question? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it depends on the number, but you know, if, if like if roughly getting, speaking, if you're getting, let's say you're going from um, six and a half to five and a half or something, you're getting plus five and a half instead of plus six and a half, you're losing like three point four percent right there. Right, so that's huge. I mean, right away they would have needed to have had, you know, whatever a 54, 50, wait, 55 and a half percent advantage or something like that for it to be worthwhile. So, you know, you have to be very. People don't. I think a lot of recreational betters look at line moves and they're like, oh, what's the what's the chance that this will make a difference? Um, right. And and it, it's 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 small on a percentage basis, but so is every advantage that you have. And if you bet enough. These things will add up, and and you will lose um, over time be betting against line moves. That's why, anytime I see a strategy um, that, from a process standpoint, ends up getting the worst of the line consistently, 
i.e. like betting on with line moves or against line, whatever it is. It's like steam plays, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, I, just, I just can't believe that that can work because just the numbers, the raw numbers, regardless of any fundamentals of the game, the raw numbers of getting the worst line every time, there's just no way that can work over time. It would mean the sportsbooks would be lo- would be losing if that was the case. If that worked. Well, they would be yes. Yeah, it would, and, right. You know, and the reason yeah. that the reason that this you know this type of stuff, um, I mean, the, again, sportsbooks get big, right? And that's what helps them stay on top. Um, do you have any concept that like just because we're talking about line moves, this general predictive value of opening line versus closing line? I mean, the closing line, obviously true, but part of that is due to Fundament, like fundamentals, like injury information and things like that. Like you know more about the game on Sunday than you do, like in the middle of the week, because you know that you know Derek Carr is going to play or not going to play, or you know this linebacker is out, ruled out for the game, right? But I think you're talking more about the predictive value of the bets earlier in the week and the fact that like the, the market becomes more efficient. Sportsbooks take higher limits, so it naturally makes sense. It follows that that. You know, with the bigger bets, you're going to um, you're going to um, have a more efficient market. However, in the last year, I looked at it. I think I don't remember if it was NFL or college. I, I did find that actually the closing line had less predictive value than the opening line. Like, but that was that was a one year sample. So I, I think that there is a lot of um, I don't want to overreact to that. I still think the closing line is a much better bet than the opening line, but I do think there's more market, there's market manipulation and stuff going on as well. So there can be, but, but I think once you get to the closing price, yeah, that's going to be more efficient. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think your point that the closing line is more informed is probably the best, most simplest way to answer that, right? The closing line has more information. So certainly in big line, if you do an analysis of this, you would probably have to take out, when news um, was the reason for the line move, um, because those are going to probably overshadow um, any of the small moves that are just based on opinion or money. Um, okay, let's move the, on. Let's move I was on. Say, I think a lot of common wisdom is that, like the first bets, like maybe the Monday, the line move Monday to Thursday is going to be fairly sharp, and then you get more public money coming in later, and then the bet, the professionals will like um, will sort of unload at the end if if something gets too far out of whack, but. I think we're all theorizing here a little bit. But that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I think the only fact that you've said in this is that is that the the closing line is more informed than the opening line because of news and information and injuries and starters and those types of things. So I, I think that like that is the most tangible thing to talk about. The rest is just conjecture. I agree. All right, let's move on to Tout or Sharp um, and our My first least favorite topic. segment. And your your favorite. You're just, you're just too vanilla. I mean, it's fine to objectively discuss people in our industry, and as long as we're not defaming their character and we're discussing, because I I think one of the things that we talked about last week that's really important um, distinction. We talked a little bit about the concept of sharp, and and you believe that a sharp can just be someone that's kind of sitting back and not really betting and just providing analysis, but in my mind, that's not what a sharp is, right? Because you have to bet, and, and one of the reasons I say this is like you'll listen to people talk about. Um, a line or a game and if they don't bet they don't understand like what line was readily available they don't understand what limits were available on a bet they might be talking about some prop bet as an interesting money making opportunity but if they've never tried to get actual money down they'll know that like oh you can only get like a hundred dollars down on that no i'm, I'm serious yeah, no it's true like, props like this, it's... this is fundamentally the difference between a tout and a sharp is and, and the reason that i think it's important 
for people that give gambling advice to actually have gambled, you know, unless you're just doing this for pure entertainment purposes, which you should probably have as a disclaimer, like cousin Sal, I think is doing things for pure entertainment purposes. And he's not trying to make that he's, you know, anything more than that. I think that that's fine. But the minute that you start giving gambling advice and selling that information, all of a sudden you should be in a, in a stratosphere where, where you have a fiduciary responsibility to the people that listen to your advice to actually understand what you're talking about at many different levels beyond just being able to sit back and show some pretty cool analytics on some numbers that may or may not have any real relevance or predictive value. So, I mean, I think this is a more important thing than, than you think. That's why I think this is an important segment. I hear what you're saying. I, th I think someone needs to be informed about the market and how it works. But what if someone just sells their information and says, okay, I make this team a seven-point favorite, and they don't do anything gambling-wise? I think that would still be a sharp. If they, don't, if they try to say, like, oh, minus three, or if, if it's just purely based on the numbers, like, I still think that would make them a sharp, but... If they're I think good at that. inherently, the minute you start selling information, you're almost definitely a tout. And then, well, you you are by definition, right? Right, but, that, right, but then, then like, could you be? Can you be a, you know, sharp? Well, let, let's just let's jump well, in. Well, one let's person. jump let's in because I feel like this is yeah, this is exactly the one, conversation. Let's just do one. Let's just do one this week, and let's do Aaron Schatz, founder of Football Outsiders. Uh, full disclaimer: Aaron uh, worked with my. One of my previous companies, Pro Trade, early on, um, I, I do think at that point what he was doing was very, very new and very revolutionary. And I think a lot of football analytics, um, certainly Football Outsiders, was a, a great website, um, a great source of content. They were doing amazing analysis. But then I think Aaron kind of lost his way, and Aaron found that selling picks was a way to make money. And, and this is sort of the unfortunate part of, of this industry, which is that if you are um, doing analytics at any level um, in sports, the only way to make money, really make money, is actually by selling your information. And that often becomes selling picks because that's as much as uh, we make fun of that. Consumers want to buy picks. They think that there is some magical thing that they can get because they can't win themselves. So Aaron started selling picks, and Aaron's picks have done very poorly. So at the core to me, and, and I don't know how much you've looked at this, you know, Aaron Schatz and Football Outsiders has developed this thing called DVOA, which is defense value over defense. average or value, whatever. Defense adjusted value over average, I think. Yeah, it's, and it's basically a, a measure of play-by-play -play success um, that teams have. And, and I think uh, on its core, it's saying that like any individual play – um, if you break those down, they can be they can be more valuable in assessing a team's performance than basically points. And so, from from a process premise standpoint, I certainly agree with that. But does it have any real? Does this stuff have any real predictive value? And does it work for gambling? What is your opinion on that? Well, it can. I think it was revolutionary a way of looking at things. But you know, obviously, looking at it just based on points is not the most sophisticated thing in the world. And I think every sharp better is using some metric of of individual play um, or a way of grading an individual play be it play success a play value and expected points for that play i think that it's a tool that you can use to create a profitable betting model but i don't think on its own it's going to do that so would you consider aaron you know I, I don't know how well you know him if you know him at all but would you consider him a tout or a sharp no, I've I've met aaron he and i have had a couple conversations at, at sloan I, I would say at this point um 
you know, his site, I don't think the main thing with the site is the picks. I think he is in the unfortunate position of having to provide picks because that helps monetize the site. I mean, I, I with Massey Peabody, you've had the same, like, I mean, I don't sell picks or anything, but most people have you actually looked at their Aaron's... picks haven't done well yeah i, I mean i no, looked but not only back. okay but not only have they not done well but he's espoused a money man- management strategy around them um oh. with, with numbers and things like that like with the percent i mean it's not uh, there's a guy on twitter called seth Byrne who is part of sort of the anti you know the the contrarian the seville world they kind of are very um they're they're tough on people. Um, they've been tough on us before when we've yep. we've done stuff. Um, I think generally sometimes they're pretty fair though too. And Seth is actually very smart, and he did a he does a thing where he tracks their picks and basically like, you know, like they they've bankrupted people based on their picks. So it's 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 very challenging. And I think that like if I were selling picks and I were doing that to people, knowing that 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 was happening, I just I just couldn't do it anymore. I'm with you on that. I don't. I don't think I could live with that guilt. Yeah. So I mean, I'm going to call Aaron a tout. Unfortunately, like again, like work with them, like him. Think what he's done in the past has been great. I think he's kind of lost his way in selling picks. Um, I wish he'd just go back to sort of just being a you know premium site and writing and that kind of thing again. And the writing's good. You know, it's no, a good site. It's a. I, mean, I, I find he's, it. He's a writer yeah. by trade. He's not. He's not. I mean, like. He's the, not a statistician. No, the early the early work that he did on this stuff like it was was very. I mean, we used to look at some of these spreadsheets and they were very kludgy. Um, they're uh-huh. they're pretty scary in terms of um, looking at you know sort of overfitting things and whatnot. Like it's 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 weird. It was it was weird, but the general concept, which the the actual concept came out of the book, the hidden game of football. Um, this idea of of play success and operating play success, which was the hidden game of football, probably doesn't get enough pub as being like the beginning of, of football analytics um, as we know it. Um, anyway, so... Yeah, I'll, I'll go, go Taos as well. Well, okay. I, say, I say let's go to man number two. Do you want to do man number... Well, we have to do let's man do versus... Do you want to do man versus machine? Are we going to do that this week? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll save... Uh, should we save Dr. Bob for next week? Yeah, let's save Dr. Bob for next week and let's jump into man versus machine. Do you okay. have your picks where I can look at them? Um, I, I have them in front of me. I don't know. That doesn't mean they're in front of you, but I can give you my line on every game. You ready? Hold we'll on, go. Bull- let get, so, so let me open the handy sports action app so that I can look at the games as we go on. Right. And we. So here's the premise of this segment. We what go we're going to do. Here. We don't. We don't want to have those one of those podcasts that goes for two hours. So that's, that's true. Okay. So what we're going to do is every single game, I'm going to say what the Massey Peabody pick would be if it, if we had to take a pick at it, and Jeff is going to say if he wants to stay with that model or dis- like stay with the Massey Peabody model or disagree with it. This is lightning round, so let's, lightning let's start, round. start with the Thursday game. Okay, Philly, Carolina. I say Massey Peabody makes it 1.8, so they would say take Philly. Do you uh, want to agree or I, disagree? I will agree with that. Okay, Cleveland, Houston, minus 10.2, markets at 10 to 9.5, so we would say take Houston, lay the points. Agree uh, or disagree? I, I mean... I disagree by point two also. <laughs> so it's not like I have a strong disagreement, but I would take Cleveland there. Okay, so we have we have one uh one. So I'll track these as we as we go. Cleveland plus two. Okay. Uh Jets and Patriots. What what does sports action have for that number right there? Jets and Patriots has it at nine and a half. So Massey Peabody has it at eight point six, so we'll take the Jets. I will also take the Jets, so no disagreement. Okay. Atlanta 
Miami. Massey Peabody minus 13.2. Market minus 11.5. Is that what Sports Action's at? Yeah. Duh. I'll say, I'll, I'll, again, I'm going to be, take, you know, I'll lay the points to Atlanta. I'll take Miami plus 11.5. Okay. So you're on the big underdogs here. Detroit, New Orleans. I'm Minus, trained like a Pavlov's dog to take underdogs. Come on. I know. New Orleans, uh, 6.2 point favorite according to Massey Peabody. Market is five and a half. Five so and a half. That line opened at three and a half, went up to five. Detroit is generally being shit on for being a lucky team versus a good team. Um, I'm going to pass on that. Which one? You got to take a side. You got to say, are you going well, with the Massey Peabody or not? Say, I, would, I mean, pass meaning like I'll lean with New Orleans with you. Okay. Okay. Uh, Green Bay, Minnesota. I we don't. There is a line. It's three, three and a half, three, three. Um, Bradford. We don't know his health situation or if he's even better than Keenum when he's not a hundred percent. Massey Peabody says minus one point four with Bradford. It's about two yeah, and a half like, points different. I like without I Bradford. Like, I like Either way, Minnesota. I'm Minnesota. Yeah, I like Minnesota also. Okay, same Z's. Um, Baltimore, Chicago, minus six and a half is the number now, I believe. Um, minus seven point seven is the Massey Peabody number, so we'll lay the points with Baltimore. Uh, man, the Chicago look. They Trubisky actually looked pretty good. The first but, quarter. I mean, he looked fine. They they they. So coaches do not do these new quarterbacks any favors by the way they pl- call plays for them. They call plays thinking that like being conservative will help their quarterback. But what they do by being conservative is, is they're very predictable. And they actually give their quarterbacks a worse chance of success because they're making them throw in situations when teams know they're going to throw. If you have a new quarterback, you should throw on first down. You should throw on second down and maybe run on third down if you don't think you have a chance. You know, don't don't put him in. They put him in so many third down and long situations, and that's not that's that's not, like even that experienced quarterbacks. What that happened late in the game at the beginning? I thought they no 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 that's really not well that happened by, no that happened all game. They were oh, using play action, quick passes, no, getting the ball out of his hand no, quickly, and he no. was making good throws then. But when, no, no, once I he agree. had to actually drop throw. back, but they were and running. They knew, we got to go back and look at the play by play. They were running a lot. I watched the whole game in 40 minutes. I also watched the whole game. You watched the game in 40 minutes in Prague when you probably had people coming over your house ready to drink wine. Like, I, I watched, watched that game. I watched it Tuesday morning. Or All right, anyways. Monday morning, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll take, so, so, I'll, take Baltimore, I'll, I'll take Baltimore also there. I, okay, I okay. I'm not, not going to jump on that. Go ahead. Redskins, 49ers. Market is 10. You see a lot of different numbers out there. Um, Massey Peabody, minus 14.4 for the Redskins. So I will hop on the Redskins. I'm going to take San Francisco there. Uh, again, okay. Our disagreements are all the big favorites. Um, Rams, Jags. Jags, three-point favorite. Massey, although it's sort of three. Th- what, what do you see? Three or two and a half? That's two and a half. Okay. I make it minus 2.6, so there's literally nothing there. But given the rules, I have to take a side. I'll take Jacksonville, I guess, because if, if we're using two and a half. I'm going to take L.A. I mean, and make you know Jacksonville. They play well every other week, right? They're yeah. due for a bad one. I'm going to take LA, so I get LA plus two and a half there. Okay, so that's our fourth disagreement. Um, Tampa, Arizona. 
line of minus two for Tampa. Massey Peabody says Arizona minus one. Yeah. You agree? This Arizona thing is going to be the death of every all of us. They haven't covered once this year. Hey, betting against Oklahoma State was going to be the death of me until it wasn't. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be me too on this Arizona pick. Okay. Kansas City Pittsburgh market minus four, Massey Peabody minus four and a half. I'll take Kansas City. Wait, what? Say that again. Kansas City Pittsburgh. Yeah, you the market's minus four and a half. You said you're minus four. I'm minus four point four six. The market. Right, so you would have, actually. Have, right, okay, so so at minus four and a half, I guess I'll take Pittsburgh. I also like Pittsburgh. Uh, that's one where like. Literally flipping a coin. Um, Chargers, Oakland. There's, I don't see anything there. Yeah, there's no line. No there. lines. Okay, we'll have to skip that. Denver Giants. Denver is an 11 and a half point favorite. Um, I make them only a 4.3 point favorite. Yeah, and that's I, this, this is the this, injury. This is the injury deluxe yeah. special. Well, this is like every cluster injuries too. You know, like every wide receiver's out, which so. is obviously going to be exponentially more damaging. I would think. But yeah, obviously, is it but, really worth? I mean, wide receiver, as I've said, is the most wide receiver and running back. No, I, I mean, I, I definitely, play. I definitely think there's this line's overblown. So I'll, I'm with you. Let's, t- I, I take the Giants. It's not like their whole offensive line got injured. That would be way worse. Right. Yeah. Giants. Okay, Giants. And Plus then 11. Indy, Tennessee. I don't see any line there either. I assumed Marietta would be back. So we'll skip that one. Yeah. Okay. So we got our, uh, we we have our uh, our disagreements. So do we have do we have super contest picks then? I mean, we got a lot of lines that are off. I don't know if we should wait to do these super contest picks. Obviously, people are dying to know what we pick because we're nine and one in our last two weeks um, in classic tout behavior. Let's only talk about the last two weeks. That's uh, it's really good. That's like what eighty percent. We're hitting eighty percent or ninety percent. Sorry, nine nine, nine and two. one. What excellent math, Jeff? How did you count cards again? Yeah, not not that well supposedly. So ninety percent. Um, in our last two weeks, um, you should definitely follow us. That's that's a joke and that's sarcasm. Um, uh, the, speaking of the the super contest, I actually went through and looked at um, the standings. I don't know what place we're in exactly, but just to see, like, you know, I think the top people are twenty and four, or twenty and we five. We have fifteen wins, so the top people, are, top person has twenty wins. But the funny thing is, if you go to the bottom, you can see all these people that are like four and twenty, and like, you know, five and nineteen and one. And the funny thing is, you create like. Do you think those people are actually really bad? Like, are they? Do they have a talent at picking the wrong side? It's a good call. It's a good. I'd say no. I don't know. <laughs> so I mean, it, it's kind of funny because because it's I mean, just basically the, the a normal of the super contest. A normal it, distribution. It's a normal distribution I, I, centered around a little less than fifty percent. Centered around forty-eight point eight percent. But I literally I overlaid a normal distribution basically on, on top of it, and it's basically exactly matches what you'd expect from. We're not we're not doing a good job painting sports gambling as a game monkeys. of skill. As a game of skill, it's not it's not we're not doing a good job doing that. Uh, let's do this with the super contest picks because I'm, I think there's a bunch of lines that aren't out yet. Um, and two. we what's that? Only two. All right, well, right? Do you want to do you want to do ours right now, or do you want to just send them out over Twitter? Why don't we? What do we think the odds are that we get a pick on these Chargers, Oakland, or Indy, Tennessee games? I mean, I'll tell you right now what numbers I make with with I make Tennessee an eleven point favorite with Mariota, without 
probably still about a touchdown. Um, and then Oakland with Carr, and they said he's expected to play. I'd make make Oakland a five point two point favorite. So, um, I think I honestly I think both. I don't think I probably would have a pick with the Chargers game. I think I might be on Tennessee if anything against Indy. Right, I don't well, know. So, I don't know where that line is going to come out. But. Let's 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 go quickly then over what our what our picks would be for this week. So you. So going down that, it seemed like you saw some value in the Giants. My guess is you would have the Giants as one of your picks. Yes, or you for wouldn't sure. because of the injuries. You would. No, I, I would. I, I still would take them. I mean, there's no way those injuries are worth seven points. Right. All right. So we would have the Giants at plus eleven and a half. I can buy that. My um, you want me to go, my my number two pick would be the Redskins minus ten. Okay. My Washington. Sorry. And I, I hate doing that as a Redskins fan because I know there's no way they cover, but. Stick with the process. Stick with the process. Stick with the numbers. Uh, let's see. What did I like here? Um, I disagreed with you. I think like I think I like Minnesota uh, plus three there. Um, I think like this whole Case Keenum Sam Bradford thing is overblown. I mean Keenum looked much better. Um, the Dalvin Cook skill injury like narrative also. I think Minnesota at home. Um, they, they're, they're really good at home and they get pressure on, on, um, Rogers. Uh, I, I think that they're, I like that at plus three. And then, I mean, we'd have to take Arizona, right? Like theoretically that's, that's where you see some value. Um, they're and five against the spread. It just sort of seems very ugly. Um, I, I, I like that. I mean, I don't know what you think about that. Um, I, I like it as well. And then that, that would be the fourth. now, now what, which one do we do? Uh, what do well, we have my, left here? I thought would be the, Atlanta? I thought would be the Rams, um, the Rams. And the reason I say the Rams is because I think this Jacksonville narrative is, is, I mean, it, it's from what your numbers say, there's basically no value at two and a half, but the Rams, I think what, what, and maybe this is like, again, a narrative, but it, I think that golf can do some stuff. I don't think Bortles can. In that last game, they didn't let Bortles throw at all. They know Bortles is a huge liability. And that that game against the Steelers gets really overblown by two by five Big Ben turnovers, two pick sixes. Um, you know, their Jacksonville's offense has is consisted of Fournette running and running and running. Um, the Rams may have some trouble against that. They've had some trouble against the run, um, but certainly their defense has get, been getting better and better. Um, as Aaron Donald's been health has come back and whatnot. Um, I just like their ability to do something on offense much more than I, than I believe that Jacksonville can. And I think, you know, if you think that Jacksonville's home field is, is not that big, which a lot of people believe, um, you're basically getting, um, two and a half points for what maybe should be closer to even. Wait, two, no, I think Jacksonville's home field in this case, the, the Rams are traveling West coast to East coast. I think that hey, home I'm field is going, more than I'm an average home with, field. I'm just going you're, you're going with, with like Steve Fezzik. Steve Fezzik tells me. Come on. Oh, I'm just going with what oh. Steve Fezzik tells me. He says there's no home field. You're hurting so, me. I'm doing lazy analytics and just trusting his no home field. Well, what do you think? Do you not want to take that? Uh, you know, I mean, I don't see any value there. But at the same time, like, I mean, there. let's see. I, I'd probably rather take, take Baltimore. But, but, or, or. I'm going to take, take the Rams as my second actually, pick. So I'm picking Mini. 
Minnesota and the Rams, and you can the 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 fifth pick will either be between Arizona and Baltimore, which are which is our mutual pick. Um, I'll take Arizona then. I love right. I love how you changed it after. Okay, I see, I see I see how I see how it works, Jeff. Well, you can change yours if you want. History. You can change yours if you want. Like no, don't okay. don't don't I'll, get. We can cover Gladwell and Tout or Sharp at some point too if you really want to talk about revisionist history. Yeah, you know, maybe. on my Bumble profile, it says like the three things I mentioned are like, um, or I said like anti-Trump and anti-Malcolm Gladwell, basically. Are you? Um, and then I've ridden on a banana Bumble, boat and it was a big letdown. How's that Bumble profile doing for you? Um, it's doing okay. Yeah, maybe we can cover that in another segment. All right, really quickly, moving on to. Survivor this week. Um, a lot of people got crushed in Survivor last week. I have one Survivor pick left after starting with uh, two. Um, I lost last. I survived last week with Cincy as one of my sort of quote unquote risky picks. Um, this week, I think Tennessee against Indy is is a pretty good choice. Um, the, the, some of the more popular ones are Atlanta um, against Miami. Washington against San Francisco and Denver against the Giants. Um, surprisingly, Washington does not have very much future value. And given what your numbers say against the market, they seem like maybe one of the best um, one of the best picks for this week. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I agree. I don't know how how many people are supporting them it's relative to about 50, they're not the most popular. They're probably like the third or fourth most popular pick um, in what I'm looking at. So my two choices would either be Tennessee. Or Denver, and obviously, ten, sorry, Dennis, Tennessee or Washington, and obviously Tennessee would be dependent on Mariota playing. Although maybe right. if he doesn't, maybe if he doesn't play, then that that provides that sort of like contrarian, you know, contrarian, contrarian view, and and using him in a time. But it seems like you probably want to wait to use Tennessee until Mariota is healthy because there's there's some good opportunities to use him down the line. Yeah, I'll stick with the Redskins though. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Redskins also. So we're, we're very much a Me Too podcast. All right, thanks for joining us on Bet the Process. Um, as always, we're on Twitter, at Rufus Peabody and at Jeff Ma. We, we really want to get good feedback from you guys on this pod. We want it to be different than what's out there. So we're happy to get um, real feedback from you guys on Twitter. And as always, we're brought to you by the Sports Action app, which is the best way to look at and get sports information, uh, sports betting information, and to track all your picks. And it's available for free on the iTunes Store. So with that, thank you.